This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. Right now that time, 8.15, you're tuned in to WGNS on this Monday morning. Patience Long with us this morning. She is the Executive Director for the Center for the Arts right here in downtown Murfreesboro. How are you this morning? I'm good. How are you doing? I am good. We're good. I, I know, you know, some of the times we've talked in the past, we talked about the idea of the Center for the Arts moving literally across the street mm-hmm. to the old First Methodist building. Now that's going to be converted into... I guess townhome slash retail and then office space as well. Yes. Any luck though for plays to be held there in the old chapel? You know, we um we we're still not sure about that. Before March, we were looking at several options, including maybe expanding on the center footprint itself where it's at now. Um, and then when COVID hit, you know, what does live entertainment do during the COVID? You don't do. So um, we've had to shut our doors and um, just kind of concentrate on making sure we're here for the community after this passes or when it passes just being a new normal for the community here COVID is literally reshaping everything about america yep it is we were just talking about our kids and their school and yeah it um including arts organizations you know and you know people ask me all the time to write something or tell us about your experience as an art leader during this time and it's just it's interesting the way it went up and down march we're thinking a few weeks a few weeks later we're thinking oh no august that's going to be so detrimental but we can do it and then in june and july we were like whoa this this isn't going to be any time in 2020 you know it's wild because i was reading an article about the nashville flea market and how they've gone virtual and i'm sitting here thinking you know we don't like virtual flea markets because <laughs> with a flea market you, you want to be able to see, see it face to face yeah. whatever it is you're looking at you want to be able to negotiate that's part of the fun of going to a flea market yep. and it kind of takes all of that away it does and i think you know when we when this first happened we were all we went straight to virtual and we were like the center was proud of itself we were like we've never done this before we offered our education programs virtual we're looking at streaming shows <laughs> um but then 6 months later I think everyone I'm talking to is I'm done with vir- like yeah. a virtual doubt. So that's why I'm here today to talk about some non-virtual things we're doing Good. that the community can participate in. So what are some of the non-virtual things that are taking place? Sure. Um, so first, you know, just to kind of give everyone an update, you know, the 2020 season at the Center for the Arts, we were going strong. I mean, we were busting out the seams. We were looking at expansion, all of that, and then it stopped. So we're not... We've postponed our 2020 season. What that means is that when we are able to open back up safely, we will. And we're literally just going to continue the season where we stopped. So people have had questions about what about my season ticket? Can I use it 2021? Of course you can. And that is our goal. It's not to roll out a new 2021 season. It's we had some really great shows and great talent lined up for this year. And we want to continue that whenever it's safe to do so. Um, So that's that. And then, you know we've been behind the scenes working on how do we continue to provide education for children how do we continue to provide arts program we've come up with unique unique ideas but one of the things we started realizing that it seems like everyone feels like outdoor safe 
Mm -hmm. Um, Everyone feels comfortable going outdoors, even in gatherings, as long as you can social distance. So that's the first thing we're doing since since the COVID is we're at today, this morning, I'm announcing this first. This is the first anyone's heard of it. Um, We are actually doing an outdoor performance of Charlotte's Web on City Plaza the weekend of September the 18th. So is where is it going to be on City Plaza in that big circle in that big circle on the brick Um, and it's free. Oh, it's wow. free to the community. All we ask is that you go on our website, make reservations, borougharts.org, because we're taking um, reservations in order to make sure we're going to safely limit the number of people so we can social distance uh, the different groups. So, Is it going to be a day performance or night performance? Tell us more about that. Sure. So um, it's Friday, Friday, September 18th. So Friday and Saturday nights, we're doing it at 6 o'clock. And then um, Saturday and Sunday, we're doing performances at 2 o'clock. So... Um, you know, and when we first started all this after the COVID, we were like, how do we keep our audience safe? How do we keep our audience safe? And and it's like, wait, how do we keep our artists safe? You know, you can social distance your audience, but have you ever seen a play where people stand six feet apart on stage, especially during a love scene or something? No. So um, we've really kind of looked at industry and what the other industry people are doing right now. And so we've decided to do two separate casts, completely separate directors, production crew, where they don't overlap. And we're trying to we cast um, family members. So if you did have to do a scene that was closer, we strategically said, okay, the family groups are going to do that because they're already exposed to each other. Yeah. So the, our hope was that we're going to announce this and then let's say one of the casts do get exposed to COVID, the other cast can kind of take it over. So I think we've done our due diligence. We've done everything we can do to make sure that we're going to um, start providing arts again in a big way, uh, which is this free performance on Civic Plaza. And we're really lucky to have partnership with the city of Murfreesboro to let us do this. I think people are ready for this interaction again. I think they're tired of staying at home and, you know, all this stuff. Well, and I think it's important, especially with families, is how do you do it safely? Like, it's one thing, yeah, you want to get out, but how do you make sure that you're not exposing your kids and, and things? To, so this is why I feel like safety is our number one priority in both the cast and the audience. So this is somewhere where you can bring your child and children and family and know that we have done everything we can do. You know, we're talking about setting groups eight feet apart instead of six feet apart, requiring masks until you get into until you get to your spot. So there's many things that we have done to ensure the safety. Patience Long with us today, the executive director for the Center for the Arts, downtown Murfreesboro. What is this doing as far as funding? Because you're not going to be able to do ticket sales like you used to. What's happening there? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, Our number one source of revenue before COVID was ticket sales, and our number two was in-person children's program. So we actually, like I mentioned, we were on a roll. We were doing really great things. We had over 20 staff members at the center at that point with bartenders and concession workers and marketing, and and, um, we had to cut all that down to four of us. There's four of us left um, trying to do a lot of stuff behind the scenes to keep the arts going here in Murfreesboro. Um, So we are relying on community support. We've, We've... We've really been blessed with the people that have stepped up and, and given us donations and you know supported things. We actually have an online fundraiser right now. If you go to borougharts.org, um, it's a talent show, and there's lots of different people on there that are um, want your vote, and every vote you give them is a dollar for the center. So, And the person that wins gets a cash prize. So that's one way you can support us. Um, grants, funders have been really um, coming out of the woodwork to say, what do you need help with? And then what I think is wonderful is that sometimes you applied for grants for a certain program, and then you have to stick and give, you know, use the money for that program. Well, a lot of them are saying, you know what, just use it as you need it. Keep the doors open, whatever you have to do to get by, which is really nice. You know, nonprofits 
places of, of artwork and you know the arts we can't do this long term because it's just it's not as enjoyable when you're not there in person so what are you seeing around the country because i'm sure you're hearing from other groups all around the country about what they're doing what our art museums doing what are you hearing yeah so i've actually once or twice a week i'm going to call with both local art leaders and the national to see and it's really it depends on the area of the country that they're in if there is a place that has very low um, exposure rates and very low transmission rates and they've got it seem like they've got a handle on the pandemic they're opening limited audiences, 50% capacity, um, all the safety guards, you know, safety protocols. Um, and then you have other areas like ours who, you know, we're, we're getting better, you know, our, our stats are getting better, but we're still not there. Um, there's even places around us that are opening in some of the more rural areas. Um, and they can because, you know, they, maybe they have a larger auditorium, so 50% won't really knock their revenue out that much. Whereas for the center, in order to social distance, we have to take our audience down by 75%. And so we, we were making money because we kept selling out all our shows so this is one of those it's not going to be a financially viable model for us to have 25 percent of our audience in every show and still be able to pay for the fantastic costumes and the set designers and the lights and this you know all of that costs money um so for now we are going to take it outdoors um and then hopefully 2021 we'll get a better handle on this and there'll be different safeguards kind of recommended out there that we can then start opening to the public again it's just a weird time right now it is trying to understand everything going on while also trying to to be able to entertain your family yeah well and there's so many different opinions and you know you you try to do something it's like how dare you try to do that and others like why why aren't you trying to do that so it's just it's hard to navigate so you know the staff that are remaining safety first between the the audience and the artist if we can do that and still be here that's all we can do so that's our priority what about those who want to be in plays is it harder because i know you're talking about charlotte's web coming up but yet you're saying family members are going to be in some of these plays so is it harder for people to be involved absolutely i mean we had over 500 artists a year in our shows where what and they do it most of them have full-time jobs and they do it as a passion and a hobby um and an outlet for them and right now that outlet isn't here and it's not here for a lot of a lot of people that need that outlet so that's really the hardest part is how to keep that artist community engaged we've done some things like murder mysteries for our different facebook groups of the different casts and things like that but kind of nothing replaces being live on stage you know when you have a talent yeah it's totally different for sure And, and that's that's what a lot of people love they love to be on stage and they love to to be in front of that audience to entertain people and it's it's totally different when you do it virtually even you know it's just different it is but you know at least virtual there's an outlet there you know i mean that's it's not like but again it's how do you do a show virtually safe when we're let's be honest we're community theater murfreesboro tennessee we don't have brilliant you know videographers that'll donate their time to do you know to to stream it all together for us so we're doing the best i say this we're doing the best we can and we're really excited about this outdoor performance it's being sponsored by bridgestone so they've kind of stepped up and helped us out um so we really want to be a sellout when i say a sellout a safe sellout um 
So anyways, if you want to come to the outdoor performance of Charlotte's Web, it's the weekend of September 18th, Friday, Saturday nights at 6, Sundays at, Sunday and Saturdays at 2. Um, and you can go to our Facebook page, borougharts.org, to get tickets for it. So that's one way people can support us. Now, I, I think this is a great idea of having the outdoor performances. In fact, this is probably something that you may end up doing you know years down the road as well and continue to do them because it is a cool idea well it's a cool idea um and you know they say whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger so i mean i do think we have learned a lot through this and i think that we're going to continue to build on those lessons and i think outdoor performances you can reach a lot of audience it's a different type of audience that wants to come, you know wants to come out to a family-friendly show versus you know one on friday night at the center so um i do see this as one of the things that we will continue to try to do even after if when however covid ends up the next chapter after covid i don't even know what to call it because i don't think it's going to pass i don't think it's a new chapter i don't know what to call it but you know about how many people can you have when you do the show there at the civic plaza yeah so we could get 125 150 social distance six for six feet apart but we've decided to cap it at 100 um just so we're going to do 100 people per showing um again we're going to bring your own lawn chairs and blankets we're not going to provide chairs so it's kind of like bring your own stuff sit on it's a beautiful location perfect for this type of thing we're going to they've allowed us to build a stage on civic plaza so um we're really excited about that what about concessions yeah we're still going to do concessions um they've allowed us to do that we're looking now on all the cdc guidelines and what that looks like it probably won't be a whole big selection but we'll definitely have waters because it might be warm um and we'll make sure that our staff is you know masked um gloved all the temperature checks and all the stuff that they suggest we do we're going to do so if all of this goes great and i'm sure it will are you already planning additional events there maybe um we definitely want to do something else on civic plaza we're looking at possible december um we're going to start our children's program up again in october semi uh, semi in person and so if we do that and we start doing production class we want somewhere to take that to the stage so we know that we'll have to go outdoors for that so that's in december be looking for something christmasy outdoors from us we're talking with patience long with the center for the arts in downtown murphy's bro now back to the idea of growth of center for the arts and the idea of actually building on to the building you already have is this something that's you know you're looking at definitely doing um let's just say i have plans in my hand from an architect of it's doable that's where we're at we were at it's doable and my we were actually going to some funders and some state representatives to ask is it you know how much money could we get for something like this and try to piece it all together and uh, we were getting some good headway um until the covid um so when we go back i mean the thing is is that i think the building itself is beautiful i think it's historic i think with all the stuff around it it's really going to be a great place we just need more seating we just need more seating and for a while they told us we couldn't do it because it was such an old building and it was first the post office and then the library and then the center so there's beams on top of poles on top of but we got some people in there and really looked at it and said, no, you could do it. And this is how you could do it. Now it's expensive. There's a big old price tag on it. But but you would build upwards, right? Or we would basically build sideways. They would still say the same footprint. Um, we would take out some offices and some gallery space and then 
take it up a little higher the seating so you can fit more t- more seats there that'd be great it'd be awesome i mean honestly the only person that wipes out the office would be mine and on the plans from the 1900s it says my office was a storage closet anyways <sighs> so i'm like let's you know i'll just be somewhere else <laughs> very cool that yeah. that would be really neat if that happened and Gosh, if you could figure out a way to to get the funding now as opposed to later, even a better time frame to do it is now because of everything going on with COVID. Uh, we, we talked about like if I if we were six months earlier and kind of securing that funding that was almost there, um, we get to take all this time to redo it. And when we do open back up and be like, well, I didn't know what you were doing, you know. Yeah. So, but it didn't work out that way. Well, yeah, it, there's still a chance for sure. Oh, absolutely. We're not going to give up on that. Patience along with us this morning, Executive Director for Center for the Arts. If anybody has any questions or they want to figure out how they can get involved in these odd times, how can they get a hold of you sure so we're still um the doors are closed but we're still open box office through phone it gets forwarded to our personal phone so you can call us at 904-2787 that's 904 arts or look on our website borougharts.org sounds good thank you for joining us this morning thanks for having me time right now 8 30 stay with us more news and information coming up WGNS Radio on our website and Alexa or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. This is Kim Dunaway from Sunshine Nutrition Center. You hear me on Monday mornings at 720 talking about how to lead a healthier lifestyle. We carry supplements, personal care, and grocery items at both our Murfreesboro and Smyrna locations, family-owned and operated since 1989. Hey, guys. I'm Marcellus from Bubba Gandy Seafood, the freshest seafood in town with a new delivery every single week. The Gandy name started in the seafood industry over 60 years ago in Panama City, Florida. Now in the borough. On Memorial Boulevard, across from the Sportscom. Hi, this is Jay Farner, CEO of Rocket Mortgage. Making the right financial decisions has never been more important. We can help guide you to those right decisions now when they matter most. Mortgage rates are near historic lows. So when you call 8338-ROCKET, or visit us at rocketmortgage.com to start your refinance, you'll be well on your way to saving money every month. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 3.375%, APR 3.59%. Right now could be a great time for you to take some positive financial steps forward with a cash-out refinance from Rocket Mortgage, which could give you the boost that you're looking for. In addition, we may be able to help you refinance with little or no out-of-pocket costs. At Rocket Mortgage, we're committed to every client, every time, no exceptions, no excuses, giving you the best mortgage experience. Call us today at 8338-ROCKET or go to rocketmortgage.com to learn more. Rates subject to change. Pay 1.875% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. And MLS number 3030. This portion of the show brought to you by Mapco. How do you feel about two for $3 Lay's or Cheetos? What about regular M&M's for only a dollar? These are just a handful of the sweet deals you'll find right now at Mapco. You'll be surprised how they always have great deals for your everyday cravings. And don't forget to download their My Rewards mobile app to earn points toward items like ice-cold fountain drinks and even fuel. The app is available for both iPhones and Androids. Stop by and save at your local Mapco today. Time right now, 8.33. With us now in studio, Amy Byers and Jeff Brockett with Middle Tennessee Electric. How are you all this morning? 
Well, doing great, Scott. How are you? I am good. Good, good. You guys just had the great big meeting, right? The big, uh, I don't know, once a year, mm-hmm. Middle Tennessee Electric, uh, what, what do you call it? The convention or what? It's the you... annual meeting, um, and I've brought an expert on the annual meeting with me. Of course, this was my first one, um, and it certainly was a, a unique one, so I don't really have a... I don't think anybody has anything to compare this year to because we had to do things a little bit different. But um, I did bring Jeff with me today because he can talk about um, how the annual meeting used to be or what it has been in the past years. And then kind of how we had to shift gears with COVID-19 this year and what we did this year. Now, at Middle Tennessee Electric, you have got a lot of families, a lot of members Mm -hmm. who are... You know, they've been there for 50, 60 mm-hmm. years, and they love coming to those annual meetings. And right. They, they always get a kick out of being involved in, in those meetings. Mm-hmm. So how did they go about being involved this year with it being virtual? Well, uh, COVID got us, and so <laughs> we had to, you know, we've had for several years now, we've been meeting in person at Embassy Suites Hotel and Convention Center. And we'd have, uh, you know, around between 1,600 and 2,000 people show up for that. Uh, This year we had to go virtual because of the COVID-19 issues and and gathering in large numbers. So we offered them uh, the virtual meeting via our website, uh, which was mtemc.com, then slash annual meeting. You you push a couple buttons and it takes you to a YouTube page. And we we started that at Saturday afternoon about 4 o'clock. So there, everybody would watch the meeting, I guess, live as it progressed. But that meant there wasn't a health fair to, to be had. There wasn't, you know, I guess, drawings and things like that, were there? We, we did still give away some, uh, 35 door prizes, so we, we did do that. And typically, when we had our in-person, in-person meetings, uh, we would let people register, and then they would also uh, vote for our board of directors and anything else that we may have on the agenda that year. And then we would use that registration as uh, the means to draw their names out for door prizes. This year we did the same thing, except we 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 allowed the registrations for all of our early voting the week prior to the meeting, and we used that. And uh, people could call in and register too if they couldn't get out of the house, didn't feel comfortable getting out of the house. We allowed them to call in and register over the phone. Mm-hmm. What kind of feedback have you heard? I mean, I'm sure you have some who loved it that way, some who hated it that way, and some who just felt mediocre about it. I hadn't really had a, a – it was just Saturday, so didn't have a good chance to – we hadn't had a lot of feedback yet. We will have some, some – hopefully have some survey uh, – people answer some surveys. But the uh, we had a listening session Saturday, and we, we didn't have a, a lot of questions. There were good questions, but there it wasn't – so not a lot of controversy or anything like that. Um, I'm sure that – I think you mentioned earlier, I'm pretty sure that uh, we have some, some folks that come every year and have c- come every year for decades – and so it may have been a bit of a letdown for them. It was a letdown for us as well not to get to see them in person. Um, but so far, we've heard nothing to the negative about having a virtual meeting. Uh, I'm sure we'll have some things trickle in this week and get a better idea. So what is happening with Middle Tennessee Electric throughout all of this? Line workers, those who have to go check a meter, what what are they doing during all of this? Well, we're still, um, still doing our best to socially distance. Uh, we've employed. We've given them more vehicles to take if they if it's a if it's a multiple 
uh, crew members, uh, we, they may have an extra truck to take. If there are two people in the truck at the same time, they have to wear a mask and things like that. Uh, when they're outside, it's not as bad because they can stay distant most of the time because you may have a man up the pole, one on the ground, and one directing traffic. You just never know. A little easier then, but uh, uh, we are doing our best to do to maintain social distance while we're out working. So is Middle Tennessee Electric seeing increased operating costs if you're having to take two vehicles where you used to take one out to the scene of maybe a pole that fell over i mean what what are you seeing there yeah we may see a little added cost there not not so much the labor cost is going to be the same uh typically though if they're using a vehicle that somebody's given them uh that, that typically may be in an office and so uh no extra vehicles or anything like that they're just we're just kind of spreading the spreading the vehicles out to give uh, guys a chance to maintain social distancing are are they enjoying this or do, i mean those who work nobody's you know, enjoying this yeah. Scott. <laughs> i mean i, I just I, i'm curious because if you have a, a group of guys who are used to working together then all of a sudden they're split up to where they're they're driving separate vehicles I mean, I could see where, you know, there would be positives and then there's also negatives about it, too, because I'm sure a lot of these people have long-term friendships, you know, that they formed over the years working with each other. Yes, sir. That's a good point. And it's not just the line crew. We've got uh, uh, engineers in the field that do the same thing and, and, and go out and help one another staking lines and things like that, too. And they're having to do much of the same processes to, to maintain that distance and and so it's up and down. Uh, I know that when the when the line crews come into the office, we're trying to stagger the way they come into the office. When you know when we get ready to go out for the day and then go home for the day, uh, to to make sure we don't have too many people in there. So they're staggering some schedules like that as well. You know, and with as many employees as you have, because you serve multiple areas, what are you doing with with sickness? I mean, if somebody let's say they come down with flu-like symptoms, I mean, are they immediately said told to you know, well, you need to go home, you need to go get tested? I mean, how does all that work? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. So, uh, if if one let's just say one of our linemen if came down with some symptoms that may be in the line of COVID, we ask them to get we ask them to get tested. They get tested and then then they they stay uh, quarantine. They self quarantine until they get the results back, and then depending on the results, uh, the next step could be quarantining for you know a couple of weeks, or if it comes back and it's negative, uh, they'll come on back to work within a day or two. You know, I, I think that has been the hardest thing on business and on nonprofits because nobody was prepared to say, "All right, we're going to have to send whatever worker home for 14 days," or mm-hmm. you know maybe even longer i mean nobody budgeted for that because that's just something that's really unheard of most people don't get sick for 14 days yes sir and another thing too with our line crews because there are typically more than one one person on a crew uh if one gets has symptoms we go ahead and send the whole crew home until those results come back Mm -hmm. and so yeah we can get we can get into some costs costs there and as well as uh, it can be a hindrance on people waiting to get power uh, it can delay some some reaction time before we get people out there to install poles and wire. It, it's really a tough time when it comes to if you have symptoms or not. Yes, sir. And I, I'll have to say, um, our operations department have done a really really good job of trying to keep everyone safe. Uh, and and I know our guys, like I said, they're not used to that. They're used to, to 
palling around and, and with their friends and working on the lines, and uh, they've done a very good job, too. I've witnessed it personally, and they've done a very good job with all of it. Again, Jeff Brockett with us this morning, and Amy Byers with Middle Tennessee Electric. All of this kind of came out of nowhere, the whole COVID thing. You know, in March it started up. The next thing you know, the government's telling everybody, well, you got to wear masks. I, I mean, everything happened so quickly. I, I don't know that anyone was fully prepared for any of this stuff. I don't I don't think so. And I think it, it and this isn't just speaking for Middle Tennessee Electric. I think from businesses everywhere, uh, you've really had to look look at your operation see how you can adapt so that you know the customers aren't seeing a difference but then you know you're doing whether that's working from home whether that's being a little bit more flexible with things and so i think uh it's going to be interesting i think after covid to see you know what we have put in place might stay you know uh, i think a lot of companies may start letting people work from home more um i know with my husband's company i think that's what they're moving toward like you know, well, I don't know that you will come back. So I think it's going to be interesting afterwards. Um, I think for the utility industry, you know, we are very close to our customers and members and want to be there to to support them. So we will always be there with our doors open. And, you know, we did have to close the lobbies back in, uh, you know, May, the, the April, May uh, time frame that we reopened in June. But with safety things in place, we've got plexiglass up that protects the uh, member services representatives. Uh, we've got the floors labeled, you know, standing six feet apart. Um, and of course, we've got the mask requirements as well as the whole county does. So, um, you know, we are putting in place, we, we still want to be there for our members. We still want to be there to support them in any way. Um, and, you know, we certainly have put a lot of things in place to make it safe. So the members need to feel safe to come in. Uh, we've got, as we are, as we do with everything, we're, we've got their best interests at heart. We're looking out for them, for their safety, for our safety. So we've got a lot of protocols in place to where when we do need to meet with a member, they can feel safe about that. Now, I always thought the lobby itself was already fairly you know, prepared mm-hmm. for something like this mm-hmm. because you already had the glass up where people pay their bill and everything. Right. So that wasn't really a big issue, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's when people go to sit down and activate their electricity, fill out right. the paperwork. That's where it comes to the exactly, need for social exactly. And and you know, especially certain times of the years, like when you know when the when the university ramps back up, you know, our, our lobby can be pretty busy. It can kind of be packed. Um, so we really had to look at. At how we how we were over in that area where you do apply for service and stuff we removed some chairs so that the seating can be spread out if you're waiting to talk to a uh, member uh, service representative so we kind of spread that out a little bit and then we put plexiglass up so that you know there there is a little area where you can slide the paperwork you know through but really both the member and our our employees are very protected with that with that plexiglass so that has helped help a lot of course as you say in the cashiers area they've always kind of been protected in there um but you know even with with you know the the cashiers in there they have to protect themselves because they're kind of closed in there together so they're wearing masks they're making sure they're kind of staying apart from each other and and things like that so you know as with any industry there are different conventions and Mm -hmm. and annual meetings Mm -hmm. that are out of state and involve multiple electric providers right are you still going to those or are you still still sending representatives to those or are they even having them they're not really having them there's been a lot of virtual training i have seen come through jeff mike can comment on that as well i think uh within the industry everybody's trying to to keep connections 
whether that's through Zoom meetings or whatever, you know, several committees that I'm on that we used to meet in person, we kind of uh, now, you know, do it through Zoom. Um, but most of the big meetings where you're going to have a lot of gatherings, they've all been um, canceled for this year. So. That's true. They've basically grounded us from doing travel to meetings. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't it, uh, unless there's social distancing going on, which you can't in the in the larger meetings like that. And so we've been asked to look for virtual training. And then, you know, I, I know this is slightly off the subject, but the old Murfreesboro Electric Building, mm-hmm. downtown Murfreesboro, is that being utilized by Middle Tennessee Electric right now? Well, the employees, and this was something uh, pre-merger that we kept telling everybody, you know, we were like, well, you know, the people that service you now are going to be the same people that service you after the merger. Mm-hmm. And so that is the case. So the people that are in the Murfreesboro Electric, uh, the old Murfreesboro Electric Department office, they're the same people that were there before the merger. They're just Middle Tennessee Electric employees now. So the cashiers, the customer service reps, um, you know, some of our engineering techs. Now, some people have moved over to uh, the corporate or, or rep- reporting to people uh, at the corporate office, but there's still a lot of uh, former Murfreesboro Electric Department employees, now new Middle Tennessee Electric employees that are in that building. Um, I believe according to kind of all the the closing documents and stuff, we can have that building for around three years. So I know they're going to be making plans on transitioning uh, this group to um, probably the corporate. I'm not really sure where, what what the plans are, where they're going to put everybody. But eventually we will have to, as part of that deal with the city, we'll have to vacate that building. But right now for the next uh, couple of years, we will be there. And it'll be the same people that's always been there. Now, it's interesting because Mm pre-COVID, one of the thoughts was, well, Middle Tennessee Electric is going to move to a brand new larger campus. They're going to build a new building there, a headquarter office. Mm -hmm. And so you had this three-year lease, if you would, on the old Murfreesboro Electric building. Mm But now, what is it looking like for a new campus for Middle Tennessee Electric? Well, as part of the regulatory process uh, through TVA, uh, when TVA approved this merger, they had several things in place that had to happen. You know, one of them, I've, I've actually uh, I talk, talk a lot on Tuesday mornings about this, was the rate freeze. You know, we, we, were not, we cannot change the rates f- for the members, whether they were former Middle Tennessee Electric members or new Murfreesboro, you know, the, or the new... Murfreesboro Electric members that are coming over, the rates could not change for two years. So I know as, as people's bills are going up, everybody's kind of like, oh my goodness, the bills have gone up because they've raised the rates because of the merger. And that is simply not the case. Um, a lot of things as we've talked over the years, weather is the biggest impact on your electric bill. And that primarily is why your electric bills go up. And we'll talk more about that tomorrow morning, <laughs> but I won't get into that right now. Um, but another part of that regulatory process is that uh, TVA uh, has said that uh, Middle Tennessee Electric cannot pursue that new campus for, I believe it was 10 years. So we've got the Murfreesboro Electric office that we've got to vacate in three years. We can't build the new campus for 10 years. So we've, we've got to figure things out. And I think that's where we are right now. We're certainly not going to wait till the last minute to figure it out. Um, you know, Middle Tennessee is very proactive on things like that. So I know they have already started the process of, you know, figuring out the campuses that they have, you know, the, the New Salem, uh, the, the corporate office on New Salem. And, you know, I think they have, they have two offices here. So they have the corporate office on New Salem. They have the office out St. Andrews. And so I think they're going to look at that and figure out um, how we can make that work. 
Um, I think office space, we're probably pretty good. I think we have to figure out where we want the line crews to go. And, and I think they've got a lot of options. So I don't think they're worried about it. It's just, you know, laying it all out and making it all happen. And I think that's what they're working on right now. And, and I'm guessing they they could lease space, right? I mean, that's not something that they're barred from doing if they needed extra space. Um, well, I have not gone over that contract with a fine-tooth cone, Scott. But I, I, I don't. I have not heard that that is a stipulation. So I, I do believe if they needed to lease space, they they could do that. A lot of moving parts here, and I'm sure nobody Absolutely. ever imagined yeah. COVID-19 hitting mm-hmm. right after the the purchase, if you would, because I mean it all happened just one thing after another. Oh my goodness! And for, and for Milton Tennessee Electric, I know uh, Jeff can speak to this. You know, it was the tornado. Yeah. <laughs> You know they they got slammed in wilson county and so it was just a kind of a, a domino effect of things that happened with that and then you know covid and then the merger and so just you might want to speak a little bit to that yes uh, 2020 uh, 2019 ended okay yeah a good year <laughs> and 2020 has smacked us around a little bit we had to in in, in the wilson county area we had the tornado that basically followed i-40 through our service territory um, so many outages, so much destruction that's still there. People are still trying to put things together. Then, then a month later, almost to the day, we had that derecho wind, the straight line winds that came through and and caused more damage uh, in in a lot of the same area. That was that was not just in Lebanon. That was in our system, mm-hmm. everywhere in our system. And uh, you know, folks are having a hard time right now paying their bills. Uh, we're we're pretty lucky because we're around Nashville, a thriving area. Um, and so it hasn't we've we've done a lot to help our members with their bills we've not disconnected them and things like that um coming getting trying to get back to the point to where you know the the collecting the money that we're owed mm-hmm. uh some things around that as well we've given a lot of uh we've we've been given our members a lot of flexibility around that and i think they've appreciated it and um and it's affected us a little too, but uh, we're bouncing back okay. We're doing okay, and, and we're kind of built for that. You know, we it's it's, it's we're we're built to bounce back from storms and things of that nature because um, uh, we see them regularly. So, you know, despite all the the COVID mess right now, you still have builders out there building new homes left mm-hmm. and right. Interest rates are extremely low right now. So we're seeing growth here, and I think we're going to see even more growth after Nashville raised their property taxes. So all of that coming together means it's going to be more business for Middle Tennessee Electric, but yet there's a cost to that new business. I mean, you've got to hook up new lines. You've got to run new new lines, obviously, to new subdivisions that are being built. So how is all of that kind of unfolding right now? That's a good question. Um, the There is a cost to that. Um, we're basically have not COVID hasn't slowed us down that much it has put us behind the tornadoes and the wind and all that's put us a little bit behind COVID we got a little bit longer lead time before we can get out there but people are still building the number of apartment complexes going up amazes me and uh, apartments condos and single family homes uh, throughout our whole service territory here Lebanon um, Franklin area and so uh, we've got uh, practices in place to to uh, help pay for that. Uh, we do charge uh, a, a, a charge for new subdivisions and things like that. Um, 
not everything the 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 co-op picks up part of it and then the developer picks up part of it we we share that cost with them so we're in pretty good shape there as far as that goes everybody knows kind of what it takes to build in this service territory like i said a minute ago we're pretty lucky we're in a pretty thriving area of the country right now and we got lots of interstates that connect our service territories and things like that so a lot of um, large and and medium-sized businesses look for the, look to come to this area because of that. You know, it, it's interesting when you look at Middle Tennessee Electric. You provide electricity for four of the fastest-growing counties. Well, three of the fastest-growing counties in the U.S. And, and you have you know Rutherford, Wilson, Williamson counties, and they all three are the fastest-growing counties in Tennessee, at least, and some of the fastest in the United States. Yes, sir. Um, and it's been that way for a while now and I, I think a lot of it has to do with our local leadership uh i think a lot of it has to do with the economic development uh assistance that we get from the state of tennessee tva and your local power companies and other agencies as well i just we have a ton of assistance in this area that you know make it attractive for for businesses to locate here not to mention the interstate system that we have that connects everything you can get to an interstate in our service territory, you basically in about 15 or 20 minutes, no matter where you're at, it uh, means a lot to those those folks coming down here. We only have just a couple of minutes left, but when you talk to the heads of departments in other states with you know utilities, what do they tell you? It's a lot harder for them to actually provide the service that they've provided for years because they're not seeing the growth like we're seeing here. Um, yeah, there are parts of the country where, it, especially where it's more rural, uh, they don't have as much growth. But COVID hurts them a little worse sometimes because they don't have the number of employees we do. So we got some flexibility in in, in areas that other other smaller cooperatives don't have. Um, and yeah, I think it just all depends on what the uh, different uh, power companies have in their protocol as far as developments and things like that. Uh, Middle Tennessee Electric over in the since the history that I've been here. Uh, we've been considered partners for developers. We've we've always footed some of the costs and then shared. We always cost shared with our folks that want to develop a piece of property, and so um, that helps too. Uh, and I think you'll see. I think you see a lot of that in the mid south. To be honest, the southeast United States. I think you're seeing a lot of that now, anyway. So I think that helps the developers. Well, and you even see that with storms, how the different utilities will help each other out. I mean. You guys may be called to to help out, asked to help out in in Kentucky even dur- during an ice storm, for example. Uh, but everybody works together very well. It seems like around here. Uh, yes, sir. We've we have uh, had crews down in Louisiana uh, this past week, obviously because of the hurricane. In recent, most recently, we've had some in Pennsylvania as well. A lot of times, we'll send our contractors out first. Uh, and I'm, I'm speaking for our operations department here, so I may not have the details exactly right, but we we'll, we try to send our contractors out first uh, in most instances so that our employees will be around to service things to here. And then uh, if need be, we'll send our own folks out as well. We do it very often. When that happens, does the utility in whatever state it is you're helping, do they help to pay for you know the employees from Murphy's Bro for their for their room and board while they're there. How does that work? Yes, sir. I, th- I think most of the time uh, they'll get monies through FEMA uh, for disaster relief, and a lot of times some of that money will go to pay for the uh, hourly workers that we send there. Yes, sir. So very positive stuff there for sure. 
probably a, a little bit bigger of a paycheck, I would hope, too, for that person who volunteers to go there. Yes, sir, and they deserve every penny, man, because yeah. it is hard work, very tiring, and oftentimes dangerous. And so they deserve every penny they get. You know, I've heard stories about different linemen in places like Florida and alligators. You know, you, you don't mm-hmm. you don't have that here, but they've got the danger of even that added to everything. Yes, sir. I went to, several years ago. I went down to Ocala, Florida, for when hurricanes came through, and took some crews down there myself. And and that was one of the things they said: if you get in a marshy area or anything like that, just be on the lookout. And we worked in <laughs> we worked in and around town. But they said it doesn't matter. They can still get around there. And we never did see one. I, we, one of our crews did, but I was not with them that day. But the, I never did see one when I was there. But, yes, sir, that's that's definitely the case. It's pretty scary. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, thank you very much for joining us today. If anybody has any questions, what's the best way to get those questions answered? Well, you can uh, definitely call um, the – It's. You know, yeah, we, I haven't memorized the number yet. Yeah, oh, my goodness, yeah, Scott. I, and I don't blame you. It's, it's one of those long ones. <laughs> you we, we've got a general number. It's 877-777-9020. That's our member service number. You can you can call that number, and if they can't answer your questions, they know who to go to, mm-hmm. and they'll direct you there. That's just a good – we've got that number so that uh, across our service territory, people don't have to pay long distance or anything like that. So mm-hmm. it sounds like a big 800 number, and it is, but it's just local. It's all local. Then a lot of information mm-hmm. available online, Middle Tennessee Electric. MTEMC.com. Okay. Yeah. And I did want to say, too, for, for those listening, if you want to watch the annual meeting, if maybe you are super busy on Saturday and you missed it, you forgot to watch it, it is still on the website. So you can go to MTEMC.com, go to the annual meeting page, and you can watch that. Sounds good. Amy mm-hmm. Byers and Jeff Brockett with us this morning from Middle Tennessee Electric. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. The Action Line on FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. We're Rutherford County's place to talk. COVID-19 has changed our world. And First National Bank of Murfreesboro is here to help you. During these uncertain times, it's good to have a friend to walk with you and help with financial guidance. First National Bank of Murfreesboro is here to help you with free text banking, bill paying, mobile deposits, and more. I'm Shelly Rigsby, manager of First National Bank of Murfreesboro. And I'm Amanda Gentry. Now a part of the Capstar Bank family, member FDIC. We'll see a few scattered showers and thunderstorms here this afternoon with mostly cloudy skies high in the upper 80s. Winds out of the southwest around 5 to 10 miles per hour. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Vujitsky on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 73. 